You ready to go? I'm ready. Cool. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck to you too. Yeah. carry on my chat with Omar I want to do a little intro if that's okay and you can't respond so I'm gonna do it anyway along the lines is an ongoing experiment in providing an enjoyable and hopefully meaningful podcast I love talking to interesting people but my ultimate aim is for it to benefit all of you listeners in some way while we're in this coronavirus lockdown I obviously won't be able to meet my guests in person so the conversations will take place along the phone lines each episode will be along the lines of whatever subjects are interesting and relevant to each guest that I chat to. And I want to create a wide variety of these episodes so that you all have the different subjects and styles of conversation to choose from. This first episode kicks us off into the podcast with someone that I think provides a lot of goodness to everyone that encounters him. We cover a few subjects, like the love of languages, having Syrian parents, feeling a sense of belonging to more than one culture, and exploring the art of counselling. Stick around if any of them sound interesting to you. Well, let's go for it, shall we? Here's the first episode of Along the Lines. Uh, Welcome to the show with me, Dan, and my guest, Omar Malice. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, how how are you feeling about? Is this your first time ever doing a, a an interview of any kind or a um, recorded chat? Definitely, yeah, first time doing a recorded chat. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to expect, but I'm uh, I'm excited actually. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, um, we'll just see what happens. That's it. I've uh, I've never done anything quite like this. Um, I've recorded stuff like on video, but I've never done just purely sound recording. Uh, okay. So yeah, uh, it's it's new in a way for both of us. Uh, I'm feeling a mix of excitement and nervousness. Um, okay. But I'm talking to you, so that makes me feel at ease. Okay, good. <laughs> we, can, we, we can use that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, um, if we could start, uh, if we could just chat a little bit about um, about what your your life was like, um, an overview of what your life was like before sort of uh covid came along and uh changed some things okay um yeah that um, that, that kind of seems like quite a while ago um yeah. it seems like this this yeah it, it seems like almost like a new normal mm. this, this lockdown business um but um, my life before okay so i um i'm in my last year of, of training uh, of my counseling training um which is which takes up a significant chunk of my life. Um, so um, I was due to finish this June um, in my level four diploma in counselling, um, after which I would become qualified. Um, and I'm also in um, in placement at the minute with an agent counselling agency um, in a drug and alcohol addiction agency. Um, and so I've been, which is still going on. So that's um, so that's you've you've chosen to do the drug and alcohol counselling, or is that part of it anyway? Is it sort of... um, 
well, actually, um, um, that's just, um, I mean, we needed hours um, in our placement to be able to pass the course. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I guess I was, I, I looked around for different agencies and this was the one that was offered to me. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't specifically want to work in drug and alcohol addiction, but, um, it's also, it's still a good opportunity okay. and, um, I can still apply, um, my training to almost, you know, to any kind of, any form of help, whether it's drug and alcohol or bereavement or, or grief or whatever else. Um, so there's just one application, um, of it. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's the counseling side of things and otherwise, um, well, you, um, you asked for my life. What my <laughs> your life every, story, <laughs> your life story in one word. Uh, no, yeah, uh, just, just how long so, have we got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so just generally, sort of what your life. So, you got the the counts you were studying, uh, to be a counselor, um, yeah. and any other sort of significant areas of your life, I guess. Um, um, the, the main ones, I guess. Um, yeah, um, you know what? I mean, there isn't, I mean, I, I've got. I guess certain interesting things um, like um, I was doing uh, ju- some uh, ju- jujitsu before I uh, before this lockdown happened I started started doing a bit of that and you don't want to um, get that mixed up with the counselling do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah just yeah, I mean uh, that's like once um, that's like the last uh, the last solution you know like if, if talking doesn't work we just wrestle so. <laughs> okay so is that funded by your course then they just say you've got to do jujitsu as well <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, um, I just asked my clients to come in uh, comfortable clothing, in loose comfortable clothing, and a bit of extra padding. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, and um, if if they can beat me, then um, they get they get ten percent discount. Oh, so. nice, nice, good deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, but it's um, it, it's actually been a good um, outlet for me um, in terms of um, it's kind of like a martial art where you can kind of think creatively and also kind of apply. Just like the smallest changes to your um, to your practice can really make a big difference, and it, it kind of, in a way, um, I don't know, in a way, it kind of it kind of shows that, that the small details of, to anything really really do do matter. So mm. in some ways, it does have a link, but um, not as big of a link as you might have hoped for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Um... And I mean, with the with the council, unless there's anything else you wanted to chat about um, or mention before no. all this, um, um, not specifically. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about the counselling work and cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, what sort of what what made you decide to do a course? So, is it a three year course in total? Um, yeah, it was three years, but I I did one year um, back in my hometown in Manchester, okay. and then um, I took a break for a year. Um, I was living in Spain for a while. Then I came back, moved to Bristol, um, and then I've done. I'm doing. Yeah. Then this is the last year of a two-year course. So three years in total. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so counselling is quite a. Um, I mean, me knowing you, I, I understand sort of the basics of why you went for it. Uh, but I know there's 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 a whole load of people um, who could think of of something that you know any sort of social work or sort of that sort of stuff is really difficult for some people and they would they would they would hate the idea of doing something like that um but i know that they're like i i love sort of 
human to human stuff as well and and uh and um yeah so but but for you personally um what what led you to to decide that you wanted to to study it um um well um i guess in the years between um graduating university um that was that must have been about seven years ago um and like um, i graduated in a in in business management and it wasn't something i particularly enjoyed but i, I you know i finished my degree and then i was kind of did the did, did a lot of typical um post-senior things like like travel and finding myself and just a bunch of, a bunch of cliches really um just uh, i kind of like um I, I hopped around between different things just to try and because i wasn't really sure what it is i wanted to do and um and i guess um over 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 time um doing different jobs like in teaching and and chefing and i kind of um i kind of almost went through a bit of a process of elimination where i started to realize that um where kind of some of my maybe my strengths were and and um and where my weaknesses were and i think i started to realize that um i could uh, you know i could kind of really sit with someone and listen to them and, and and not just listen just passively but also listening in a way where they really felt heard like like almost like they they felt i wasn't just waiting for them to finish mm. to respond i was um i really wanted to hear whatever they had to say um whether they were going through some difficulties or whether they were um just they had something something to share mm. um and i kind of and i think i think that's also something that you know i i did a lot of traveling in my mid-20s and even that just kind of meeting people and talk to people and and learning languages to be able to talk to people i i also learned a bit about the what it what it felt like to not be understood or to be understood and and that kind of gave me like an, an added perspective into maybe working with people who wanted to feel heard or wanted to feel like they were understood when when maybe other people in their life didn't really quite get them. Mm. So do you think that was one of the the highlights of the traveling you've done? Um, because I feel like traveling is something that um, there's lots of people who want to do it, but there's different reasons for wanting to do it or different things that people different factors that people enjoy about it do you think the the sort of uh the meeting people side of it um or, or listening to people and finding out about people was was one of the main uh factors for you that you enjoyed and drew you towards yeah. that yeah um i mean i um one thing that that, that does really, that does appeal to me massively about traveling is is a language mm. um i um i like I've, I've always liked learning languages of like um even if it was like a difficult language i even like to learn as much as i could while i was in that country for example mm. and um because for me that kind of having that extra medium or having that extra tool to be able to communicate with with someone to understand them it almost kind of um it almost like opened up the possibility of understanding an extra 50 million people 100 million people, you know like kind yeah. of it opened up the possibility of of being able to communicate with that many more people and uh and and i think in in, in the same way that language did that for me almost like i wanted to maybe develop that that same i guess attitude or skill which is the skill of listening the the, the you know the way you empathize with someone the way you um you really 
kind of you can really be so sensitive to um to what they're they're saying and what they're feeling to just to be so um i guess so sharp to be able to really pick up exactly what that person's trying to convey mm. um so, how so yeah so I, sorry carry mm, on. oh i was gonna say so 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 that's just in some ways that um that traveling experience kind of led on to wanting to maybe professionally work with people and communicate with people and listen and and hear people out for whatever story they had to bring okay do you feel like the um because i've been thinking about uh recently sort of more things that are within us anyway or things that we we get along the way um do you feel like um obviously it's difficult to say for sure but do you feel like uh that sort of uh want to have that human interaction and that obviously we all have that but the to the extent that you have it more than uh most others you know wanting to have uh that that real listening and connection and uh you know the thirst for learning languages and things like that do you think that was almost like within you anyway and the traveling brought it out or do you think actually doing the traveling then it just opened your eyes to to this this thing that you didn't really feel like was much within you before um hmm um, I think that actually traveling really did. Um, I, I think it was there. I mean, like, um, I was always interested in, um, I was always interested in kind of the world, uh, the world beyond my, my comfort zone. Um, yeah, for, um, yeah, I was always interested in kind of, yeah, just, just those kind of perspectives that were so, so different to mine and that, the diverse the, the diversity and difference that that existed out there mm. and i kind of i wanted to you know like I, I guess i wanted to meet people who'd had such a different life to me um and i guess travel gave me the opportunity to um i guess to to encounter people that that were so different to me um i mean um and, I, and I, yeah it wasn't always easy because i think that if Sometimes, like when you travel, you can you can still come across people who are still quite similar to you, like like other travelers and other European travelers, for example, um, who have that privilege to be able to to you know to to to, to move around and and meet each other in in hostels and, and stuff. But um, I kind of wanted to kind of go a bit off the beaten track and 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 for me to be able to do that and to meet people, like I would have had to learn some of the local language to be able to kind of move away from that kind of that traveler's kind of backpacker's world and to kind of really get to get to know the people of that um of that of that country for example mm. uh, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it didn't and depending on on uh, depending on, on, on where i was uh, but but i i did feel like language was a uh was a pretty significant tool to be able to tap into i guess that um that that resource of of people who are so different to me mm. and uh how many languages do you speak like how how many could you get by with do you think um i i'd say including including english five um so um i mean i, I grew up bilingual so i grew up with um with arabic and uh, arabic and english oh okay um i i learned french in school um 
I learned Spanish on my travels, and then I speak uh, some Italian as well. Cool. Um, do you, were you quite good at French in school? Uh, yeah, um, it was definitely one of my favorite subjects, um, especially because um, because most of the kids in school didn't like French and didn't <laughs> like languages. So it meant I kind of it meant a smaller class and a bit more uh, a bit more of the teacher's attention. <laughs> yeah, and you could be more <laughs> of a hipster, liking the stuff <laughs> everyone else hates. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I language was one of my least favorites. Um, probably because I was in a class with people that were so so good at it. Um, but uh, but now I because I I was lucky to learn Spanish at school, which is is rare. I think it's usually French or German, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but now I I whenever I've been to a Spanish country, uh, I really try and use it as much as I can, uh, which is limited. But um, yeah um so so why did you why how come you were bilingual um and you knew arabic when you were younger then um well because um uh so my, my parents are uh, are of syrian uh syrian ethnicity um so i and my grandparents and my, and my uncles and aunts also live uh, live here as well so um i kind of in my household and and whenever we we visited we visited um, uh, my grandparents, for example, like Arabic was the was the language um, language of choice, mm. uh, and it, it was it was a lot more prominent as as kids than um, than now. Um, I mean, like with my parents, I mean we we tend to just speak speak English, but right. um, but I mean we still I think they kind of made the effort to to have us learn Arabic as kids, um, just to kind of instill that. Um, just just to instill enough of it, so we could um, we could, we could kind of get by on on a pretty good level. Mm. Um, and then yeah, and I am I am grateful to to my parents and my family for that because that kind of that that ability to be able to to switch from English to Arabic kind of really helped me to learn other languages. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that ability really passed on to to French and Spanish and 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 so on um yeah so um i am grateful for that yeah i don't know much about languages clearly because <laughs> spanish was uh the the lowest grade for me in uh gcc but uh i i imagine arabic is actually quite different to english you know if you compare it to yeah. english to spanish and and, oh, yeah. and french um so yeah that so that i guess do you think maybe having that basis of not just two different languages but actually having two very different is arabic do you re read right to left in arabic or is that not yeah yeah um it is yeah it is right to left oh. um yeah um yeah um you're right uh, absolutely right it is very different to uh, english and um you know the, the alphabet and and even like a, a lot of letters and sounds are quite different um so um it was challenging i mean um there was always a kind of conversational Arabic in our household, but um, I remember when I was a kid, I, I was sent to a Saturday school, uh, an, a sat an, an Arabic Saturday school, and I, I used to hate it. I used to because um, it was hard. I mean, I was still because I wasn't that I'm, I wasn't completely immersed in Arabic because I wasn't living in an Arabic country. It was still quite a challenge for me um, to have to learn to read and write. And mm. you know, I'm still. I, I mean, I'm okay, but um, you know, I, I'm still. I'm still um, I'm still a few levels lower than than, na than natives of uh, of yeah. an Arabic country, um, so but I mean, uh, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Uh, I was just going to say that um, I, I, it's still definitely enough for me to 
have a good conversation with uh, in Arabic with someone. Okay. Um, yeah. So are both your parents Syrian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that, so you feel like they both pr probably taught you just as much together um, in terms of there wasn't one sort of parent that was pushing uh, the Arabic more or? Um, well, um, it was, I mean, um, my parents, uh, my parents got divorced when I was three years old okay. um, and I live, I, I live with my mom. So it was, it was more my mom because um, I live with her. And, but okay. my dad, my dad was just as capable to speak and, um, we still spoke a little bit, I guess, um, with him, but he wasn't around as much as obviously because because we lived with with my mum, so it was more like my mum and her side of the family with whom we spoke. And uh, have you ever been to Syria? Yeah, um, I used to go quite a bit as a kid. Um, the last time I went was it must have been about ten years ago, I think, actually, or even uh, eleven years ago. Um, but I used to, I, used to tend, I tended to go during the summer um, for about a month, um, so I've probably been about eight or nine times. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what's what's like your predominant memories of it um, in terms of, yeah, well, in terms of everything, but also in terms of the differences and the, the things that sort of uh, jump out to you um, of your memories. Um. I guess I mean um, over there, like the um, like family is, is everything. So um, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a big emphasis on um, like whenever we used to go, we 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 spend almost all our time like all our time visiting relatives mm. um, because that that's what you know because it's such a and the culture is quite yeah it's it's it's, it's quite a familiar familial culture. Mm. Um, I guess it's it's not as you know, like maybe here, here in um, here in the UK, there's a bit more of an indivi individualistic perspective mm. that's fostered, whereas over there it's kind of more, um, yeah, definitely more like groups and families and um, like lots of gatherings um, and almost always centered around food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, the, that's kind of what stands out um, about the culture. But it was, um, it's also like it, it was one thing I always enjoyed about Syria was that. Um, the people are very proud of proud of the culture. It's quite the mm. um, there's a rich history of Syria. It's um, you know some of the some of the um, oldest civilizations um, were in that part of the world. So yeah. there's kind of um, the old town of of Damascus where um, always had yeah, people used to like kind of go about their their work and and their day with um yeah with a with a strong sense of um, of purpose and pride in what they were doing. So. Mm. Um, it was interesting seeing, um, seeing that. I mean, I I guess I I mean you see that in, in every country, but it's can't quite put my finger on how that was different to to the British culture that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Um, I guess I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, I could definitely feel like I. Even though I kind of had had a sense of a Syrian culture here in England growing up, but it still I still felt like I was very much a, um, a guest or a visitor yeah. whenever I went over there. Right, and I still sense that difference because it wasn't the culture I grew up in. Mm. And I mean, it, it probably sounds like a stupid question, but um, is the main reason you haven't been back because of what's been going on there? 
yeah, um, I probably would have gone back sooner. Um, um, if yeah, if, since um, if the civil war had I hadn't started, I think I started about three years since three years after I'd last been. Right. Um, and yeah, um, I I do. I mean, like it was never never my home because I, I I mean I'm, I'm born and bred in um, in the UK, but um, but there is something about it, it still holds still holds a holds a place in, in my life in terms of. Um, in terms of the meaning it has for me, um, mm. and like I did have a lot of great memories with family and and cousins and, and uncles and aunts there. Uh, so um, it is a shame. And and furthermore, actually, um, because we used to always go um, go and visit family, um, I didn't really feel like I saw much of the country. It was more like mm. seeing the uh, dining rooms of people's houses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah. So I kind of it is a bit of a shame that, that, you know, that I, I mean, I could go back. I think it's kind of quieting down a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Since then. But, um, yeah, um, I think it's, I think it'll still be a while before I can go back. Mm. And do you, do you find that there's some, there's parts of you that you could, obviously, again, it, it's something you can't say for sure, but do you feel like there's something, there's parts of you that you feel like is a, is a more Syrian part, is is comes from that? Obviously, you've got the language, but um, do you ever recognise things in yourself um, that you feel it's not not as English um, as other th- as other things? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's a funny one because I, I, I've, and even though I'm, I do feel, I kind of feel more British than Syrian, but I've always felt yeah. like I've floated in between. Like I felt like I've not really, not fully belonged to either culture. Mm. Um, okay. I mean, I mean like, um, there's more chance that I will kind of connect with and, and get along with, with a Brit, mainly because because of the language, because there's so much more I can play around with, with English because of, you know, all the, dif- you know, all the different, you know, in, in terms of humor, for example, there's, I kind of, I can, I can, I can just get a lot more because English is my first language, and and I kind of, I still grew up here, so, mm. um, this, but at the same time, there's, you know, I I didn't like um like the food, for example, that we grew up with was more Syrian food, mm. um, and and I guess some some elements of like, pop culture maybe, um, I didn't really have growing up, so. Uh, or music culture, for example, because my parents, my parents came here came here as teenagers, mm. so they uh, so they themselves and their parents didn't quite have a strong of a, um, I guess in terms of yeah pop or music culture, and um, there wasn't a strong of a, um, there there wasn't much passed down I guess uh, mm. to them. So um, I I kind of picked up more of those things like later on in my adult life. Mm. Um, for example, like. Um, uh, like I, I'm from Manchester, but there's even like some like Manchester bands that I didn't even hear about until until I was like yeah like in my twenties, and the yeah. people would be surprised surprised to hear that. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how, how how can you not know like this this group or this group like this the um for example like Dana Joy Division or or the um, Smiths for example yeah um, which I I don't know hardly anything about um, but even though they're a big essence of of the place I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um so have you still got family any family over there? Uh yeah, um I mean they're mainly uh like 
second cousins and great uncles and aunts. Um, my closer family um, are spread between um, England and uh, and America mainly. Okay. Um, but I'm not really in touch with them. Um, mm. It's more my um, my grandparents and my and my my parents who are more in touch with the family in Syria. So okay. yeah, it, it does feel like that connection is has definitely that, that yeah has weakened quite a bit since um. I mean, because it's been probably because it's been a while since I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And are they, as far as you know, are they doing okay? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, as far as I know, um, it, because most of them are centered in uh, in Damascus in the capital. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the the troubles been weren't as bad in in the capital. So, as far as I know, most people, um, most of my family are okay. And, and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I um, I sort of, <clears throat> I mean, I don't have uh, sort of a situation where I've, both my parents are English, but I can relate a lot of sort of what you were saying in the sort of, because uh, Emma, uh, my girlfriend, is uh, half Finnish, and a lot of yeah. her sort of, uh, the way she talks about, you know, memories from when she was younger and uh, sort of seeing things in her or seeing things in herself, uh, you know, that's. Uh, she gets from her mum, so her mum's Finnish. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, on top of that, having that sort of, uh, you know, horrendous situation going on in a, in a country that you have such a strong affiliation with, um, yeah, it's it's a very different thing, isn't it? I can't, yeah, I can't imagine that because um, it, yeah, you've got that extra, extra negative thing on top of it, really. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... It's a weird one. I mean, I the best way I can just describe it is like for me is just feeling, just yeah. I mean, like uh, yeah, like feeling like I I do belong to both, but I also don't belong to either. Right. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I, I kind of being in between, but I mean, in some ways, that kind of gives me the uh, I've kind of grown up with the perspective from both sides. So it's there is definitely a benefit in that because I can. Um, I can almost um, there's enough for me to to get on with with both with people from both sides of the culture, mm. uh, you know. So it kind of almost like from a just almost like just just because of just because I was born as a born and I'm born as a second generation um, migrant. So that almost gives me um, that almost automatically gives me um, a whole other viewpoint um, from which to. To to look through like a like a, a whole other lens through which I can kind of look look at life through. Yeah, um, I mean it, it's actually amazing um, in terms of you know what we see um, in terms of the divide um, mm. that you're not to make you out to be this sort of symbol of something, but you know you 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 are someone who who bridges that divide in a sense just by because there's such it's such different. Obviously, we're all human and we're all connected by that. But because this culture is so different, because there's such a uh, this horrible sort of divide between East and West, or you know, the Middle East and the West, and yeah. it's, um, it actually uh, puts you in quite a, I don't want to say positive or negative, but just an amazing position, a very interesting position where you have like it's not even. You know, you you you've got a Manchester accent accent as well, so it's it's you know it's not like you just 
dipped your toes in sort of because you grew up in England you are English um yeah. it's yeah no it's it's really interesting that you have you're almost a link between these two these two sort of uh cultures and and I don't want to say sides but yeah that that um don't always see to eye to eye to put it mildly yeah I mean like um and I guess uh, I guess in some ways like um be you know when I was a kid you kind of follow what your parents kind of where your parents and your family the kind of they there was kind of a sense of you know because our family I mean uh, we weren't only um, Syrian but we were also um, Muslim as well mm. so there was there was a bit of a kind of a bit more of an insular kind of way like kind of we were kind of encouraged to um mainly ha- you know to have uh, other muslim and arab friends because like um i went to a muslim primary school and and we were kind of um i think there was a bit of a of an us and them kind of mentality mm. um definitely like from my um coming from my grandparents as well um i think it's kind of a i think maybe as uh, as uh, as migrants um there's kind of a sense of maybe like protecting your your identity like it's almost like even more protected because because you're in a different country it's almost needs to be protected even more so the community is almost even stronger mm. um so i kind of had that growing up but then when i when i uh, when i moved out of my child moved out of childhood and and got a bit older i started to you know have more curiosity and intrigue into the you know the other and them and the kind of almost wanted to move away from the that divide and um take the you know take the positives from both sides and mm. and in terms of the cultural positives and um but also not 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 kind of be a part of of that division um mm. of the us and them mentality and I kind of wanted to um you know start to meet people not uh, or get to know people not uh, not just because they were either Muslim or non-Muslim or English or Syrian, but just because you're someone interesting and I want to get to know you or mm. this, you know, you have a story that I've, I've never heard of before. So I'd, I'd like to, I'm curious about what, what, whatever it is you've got to bring, mm. um, regardless of your background, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like with, uh, obviously it's a, an absolute minority of people and it's only the fringe of people that, um, are creating sort of vicious divisions but do you feel like actually your vantage point you know if you could copy and paste that into someone for for an hour to see uh do you think like actually that that point of view that you've had is is it could could really do a lot of good in terms of um bridging those divides on on either side um yeah i think i think it could actually because i've um i i think i think people i think people assume that it's always kind of the majority who are ostracizing or, or who are looking down at the, looking down at the minority but mm. i think that i think that i've from my experience coming from a from a minority background i've seen that can also have it can also happen the the, the other way mm. where the minority can kind of um want to insulate themselves from the majority so um i think i've i've I think feeling what it's like to be a minority mm. in a sense, but also like not quite a minority because I'm still born here. So I kind of, mm. and also like the way I speak, I don't sound like I'm from somewhere else. So I've kind of, 
it's almost like people when they see me they they're not really sure where I'm from or or if I'm English or not English and I've kind of it almost allows me to kind of float between between the two sides so it's almost like I because of the way I am I can't it's almost I I I guess I'm kind of accepted by both sides and mm. um, if, if there are if there are ever two sides so yeah. that can kind of that kind of gives me the I don't know. I think in some way this almost maybe shaped, shaped me to be a bit more maybe diplomatic in a sense. Like mm. maybe that, maybe in a sense that's even led to to my choice of being counselling because I kind of um, I've I've been on both sides and I've been with both kinds of people and mm. and or I've I've been with more than one side of people. So I kind of I kind of get you know I I can kind of get the feelings of of people on both sides, I guess. Mm. And, um, and yeah. And like, and it's almost left me in the middle without taking one side or the other mm. and left me in the middle run, you know, where both, both sides, both points of view are valid. You no. Know? Yeah. And um, well, yeah. from knowing you, I, you're definitely diplomatic is definitely one of your, one of your skills. Um, yeah. Um, have you ever, uh, experienced any animosity, uh, on either side? Um, because of because you associate um in in some ways with 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 being english and uh and but also having well yeah english and then also having syrian heritage and uh, uh and muslim background as well um nothing uh, directly really okay uh, mm, I, I know that my um i know that my grandparents for example they do have some trepidation about um about people about i guess i i guess they kind of have a worry that that our cultural values will be um i don't know what, what's the right word that, that our cultural values will be Diluted impacted or, it, impacted it, impacted it in a negative way by mm. by our uh, i guess our host nation anyway um almost like if we if we stray too far from our from our Arabic and Arabic Muslim culture, then, mm. then you know it's it, it's a bad thing. So mm. um, that's the only kind of I guess animos. Uh, that's kind of I guess fear that might have been um, fostered in us as kids a little bit um, mm. from my grandparents and maybe our uncles and aunts. But mm. um, I soon learned um, that that wasn't the case. That 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 fear didn't have any any reasonable backing to it. So. Yeah. Um I kind of wanted to find out for myself what um what the what the what the real truth is in 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 other people rather than just assuming that everyone who wasn't what I was is bad. Yeah. Or it's yeah. And to be of, honest, even though it's different your situation, uh I think a lot of people can probably relate to their grandparents worrying about, you know, values getting lost and uh the yeah. new generation going off too far and i think so there's an aspect to that that you know i can definitely relate to that you know my uh one of my grandparents is is uh is christian well they both are but um my my nan is uh is is very christian she she regularly uh tells us <laughs> how we think we're, we're straining uh, straying from uh christian values or yeah 
well not regularly but yeah it's i think it's uh it's almost like a role if you're going to be a grandparent you have to fill out a form yeah. and uh say you're going to be disapproved of the younger generation in some way or another um but yeah yeah so i can, I can relate to that and definitely well i mean um um the thing is when i was i guess when i was a teenager um and when i started to kind of explore new things and like you know when i like i kind of i started like trying new things like i i i i, I tried tried alcohol and um and and I, I you know I I hung around with new people and I was doing I was doing things that were kind of looked at you know that were kind of really wrong and yeah. and forbidden in 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 my in the culture and the religion I I kind of grew up in and um and I kind of always used to hide that hide that side to me mm. but then as I kind of as I reached as I got into my twenties I kind of I was less apologetic for for who I was and for for the fact that I you know I you know, for the fact that I was, I was exploring and trying new things, and that I wasn't kind of following the same, the same like kind of path that my grandparents, my grandparents might may, might have hoped for me. Mm. Um, for example, like, um, I guess my grand, my grandparents might have hoped that after I finished my business degree, I would go into something related to business, related <laughs> to business, uh, whatever the hell that is, because it's such a big term. Um, but I kind of, you know, I kind of decided to just go off on my own and and try try different things, and and I wasn't kind of apologetic for it. I wouldn't kind of hide the fact that I was um, I was trying this job or that job or or that maybe um, you know maybe even like just occasionally I would even um, I would even bring into conversation that maybe you know I would even like challenge the status quo a little bit. Mm. Um, Although I would, um, I kind of learned quickly that I had to kind of pick my battles because sometimes <laughs> I, I kind of like learned to kind of rein in, rein in a, a little bit because sometimes it's not always just to always kind of defy or, or just to go against what my grandparents believed. So I like, I think in some ways I was kind of maybe almost a bit um, angry that that I'd that I wasn't allowed to even look at the other perspective, mm. and I kind of. Um, so I kind of always spoke my opinion, but then as I as I got a bit older and a bit more, a bit more diplomatic, I kind of chose my battles and and learned to kind of learned to kind of offer my 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 way of living in a way that that was still respectful of my grandparents, but in a way that still didn't um, didn't um, didn't kind of deny me who I was I got, it's almost like I didn't I didn't have to kind of hide an aspect of myself but at the same time I didn't have to kind of just please my grandparents by saying that I was this or I was that mm. um, so yeah so I guess um, I, and I, in some ways that kind of also is aligned with my counselling work it's all about kind of being your authentic self and and not doing things to please people and um, because when you kind of speak from that place of truth and um, I think that people can't hold that against you, mm. and I, I, and and even with my grandparents, who kind of have a have a pretty rigid way of thinking, they can kind of see that I'm being a kind of a more authentic version of myself. So, mm. um, so even that, even for, even I think they kind of start to respect the fact that I'm being more open and 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 unapologetic for mm. for the path that I might choose to go to go down. Yeah, I can see how that would definitely uh have a really good positive effect on your counseling um 
in terms of the counseling have you has there been any like surprises i mean i'm sure there's been lots of surprises but like has there been any sort of uh uh shifts in thoughts that stand out in terms of what you've learned or the experiences you like whether you learned it um in the theory side of it or whether you learned it in practice that sort of maybe there was a way you were doing things before or maybe there was uh, a belief you had about uh counseling um that yeah sort of shifted and 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 um you've you've found you, you, your view has been changed um yeah uh um I, I can definitely say that the past two years have been um some of the most transformative and years in terms of learning about myself and mm. and how I relate to others because I mean essentially that's what that's what counseling is counseling is is it's just a it's a relationship that you have with someone mm. that um that you exp- that you explore that that whole relationship kind of um it almost highlights the way that you relate to others as well mm. so um so yeah so I've definitely learned a lot about how I relate to others in terms of um i guess um where i'm comfortable going or where i'm where i'm uncomfortable kind of or what i'm comfortable with exploring or not exploring or i've learned how um one thing i've learned about myself is uh, that i can often find it more challenging um speaking out in the in, ter- in a group i'm kind of i kind of favor the the more the the one to one interaction with with people um whereas i kind of find it more challenging in groups to to kind of speak my voice and to kind of be heard mm. uh, so that, so kind of learning to kind of to kind of communicate more directly and to express myself um has definitely been um really like a steep learning curve uh, mm. in my counsel- in my counseling journey yeah so you feel like before maybe you were less willing to to open up about uh, your own feelings? Yeah, um, massively. I mean, I mean, like the so the counseling journey itself, um, it also requires um, you to undergo to undergo your own counseling. Um, and I and I I have been in counseling um, um, on and off for the past three or four years. Um, and in some ways, that kind of just being a client that almost that was another that was further inspiration to to be a counselor as well because mm. um I, I i benefited so much from having someone who kind of offered that unconditional acceptance and non-judgment and mm. and that empathy and and almost like gave me the space to just be me mm. um while i explored these things so i kind of wanted to offer that to others um and i guess in in so when i talk about my counseling journey it it does include um, me in counselling as well as me in counselling training um, because it, it all kind of it all comes together to because it, it's all about kind of learning about how I relate to others and mm. and getting insight in, into myself right. um, w- whether I've been on the side of counsel or on the side of client um, so, it's all kind of contra- contributed to that right so it's almost like they feed into each other like the the, the better you get at counselling others um the that influences how well you're able to i guess be counseled or to um work on your yourself and your own sort of uh, self-discovery and then obviously that feeds back into the more you learn about yourself the better your counseling is going to be Do you, is that what you're sort of saying they sort of feed yeah. each other. 
Um, I um, I'd say that. Yeah, um, um, I think that the way. I guess in my experience, I mean, it's because I've not had. I've I've got about thirty hours of experience with clients, um, compared to, um, a lot more compared to like three years, three or four years of my own counseling as a client myself. Mm. So it's hard to kind of compare them because I've I've spent a lot more time on the side of client than counselor. Yeah. Um. But I would I can def- I can definitely say that the more the more the more I've opened up to myself to to kind of explore I guess my feelings and to feel and to almost I guess learning to accept myself more mm-hmm. to, uh, as a client and the more accepted I felt it's almost that's kind of transferred onto my my client work I felt it a lot easier to um to to offer that unconditional acceptance to my clients as well. Because mm. um, some, some of my clients have come from all kinds of difficult backgrounds. And um, I mean, my clients um, um, have, have been involved in, in drugs in some, in some way or, or another mm. and, and drug addiction. So um, I guess um, and some of the things they've brought have often have sometimes been a bit of a challenge, um, but kind of because I've, because um, I've been in, I've been in that vulnerable position before mm. where I knew that my where well, I was afraid of what my counselor or, or what others might think of me for sharing something. Um, I kind of I can relate to how my clients might have felt to come to come to someone to to a stranger and just to really pour their hearts out and talk about something that is um, that might carry a lot of shame or that might be judged by other people in society, mm. especially when it comes to drugs as well mm. um, or, or or addiction. Um, that's often that's quite a big one in terms of shame and stigma and, and... Uh, yeah definitely so um so having it's almost like being in that position myself where i might have felt um a bit of shame or judgment for for whatever mm. then um i can almost see what it would be like for them to mm. open up to me yeah so i know it sometimes gets confused and um i know that i uh, I think I've got an idea, but I'm not 100% sure. So how would you define the difference between uh, therapy and counselling? Or is it a difference? Is one under the umbrella of other? Like how, like why mm-hmm. Why would someone see a, a counsellor or why would someone see, you know, like as cognitive behavioural therapy and things like that? Yeah, um, well, I mean, uh, counselling and psychotherapy, um, as, as far as I know, and, and, I, and I've looked into that, they, they are interchangeable terms. Okay. Um I guess I'm, I'm not sure why there are two terms. Uh, some people, some people tend to assume that maybe counselling is more short term and therapy, therapy is longer term. Um, or sometimes people might take a counselling course. Someone might take specifically a, a therapy, a psychotherapy course. But um, they are, they are essentially a form of talking therapy. Um, okay. So they, they they are quite, they are pretty much the same thing. Um, although there are different kind of um, kind of modalities of counselling, so like um, like you mentioned, like cognitive behaviour behaviour therapy, which is quite a common one, especially um, under the under the NHS. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like it's kind of like a theoretical approach that you would bring when you're in that when you're in that counselling room with someone. Um, whereas the kind of counselling I'm I'm I've learned or I'm currently training in is um, person-centred counselling. Which is uh, it's a different approach. And what what is that approach? 
Um, person-centered counseling is centered very much on, so um, I guess um, more like um, former types of, or um, older approaches of counseling, like psychodynamic, for example. Um, have you heard of Freud, Sigmund Freud? Yeah. Yeah, so his kind of, kind of psychodynamic counseling, um, just to give you a bit of a contrast, was um, very much based on the notion of, um, of the therapist being kind of the expert um, on, and, and the, kind of being the expert, kind of giving the client the kind of the insight into themselves. So right. almost like, um, you know, like telling the client, I, you know, because of all these years of training I've had, I, um, I can kind of read you better than you can read yourself. Right. Whereas like teacher student type. Situation. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Right. Uh, whereas person-centered counseling is kind of is is very much based on you know the fact that if I offer you the space and the and this unconditional acceptance and this empathy and if I'm my my authentic genuine self, then um, if I offer you these conditions, then I trust that you will you will kind of reach that potential that you have. Like it's almost it's kind of based on instead of the the therapist leading the way for to tell the client okay we're gonna we're gonna talk about your mother today or we're gonna talk about this today it's kind of trusting that the client will 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 go where they need to go so mm. you can you kind of follow the client's lead and you kind of trust that they're the expert in themselves but maybe they just don't know it yet you're kind of there to almost empower them to foster some kind of self-awareness in, in themselves you you're kind of there there with them kind of like uh, you kind of holding their hand along the way rather than mm. leading them yeah right okay that's a nice analogy okay um do you ever find it difficult um it because i feel like you know one of one of my flaws i know for sure is that i give advice when it's not asked for um and i uh, especially with people closer to me i feel like people yeah. who i don't know that well or i haven't seen as much um i'm more willing to 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 listen more and just ask questions but i know that i know it doesn't seem like that in this this podcast because i'm taking more of a listening role but yeah i know i uh, one of my flaws is that i want to give advice um yeah do you find it difficult sometimes when you're so it's more of a person-centered approach uh is that the right term yeah person-centered uh, approach. and they're yeah. they're trying to figure out stuff for themselves do you do you ever feel like it you really want to say um, whether it's right or wrong for the situation. Do you ever feel like that they you really want to tell them what to do? You know, I know it sounds bad, but that sort of human thing of just like, yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel that? Yeah, um, I guess um, it, it does. It doesn't feel as strong as it used to when I first started my training, right? Um, because that was very much the temptation is to. Um, because I, I think in, in our because I mean I think you said it like in our in our everyday lives normally when someone comes to you with a problem it's, it's quite an automatic mm. thing to just to just give them a solution to their problem just just to almost solve the problem for them yeah and by telling them, them what off. they should do <laughs> yeah and I, I think sometimes people can can get can get a bit pissed off by that because um, it's almost or at least in my experience whenever sometimes I might come to someone with a problem and I um, I don't really necessarily need, or, or I, I might know this, know what the solution is, but I just don't understand kind of 
the why I'm behaving a certain mm. way or like or I, I I kind of feel quite isolated in the feeling. Mm. So so I think with my with with my, with the with counseling practice, um, and I've definitely learned you know over the past few years that mm. it there can, there's almost it can be quite powerful to to be with someone in their feeling and to help them not feel so alone. And and very often you f- I found that 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 a person can can find their own solutions mm. their problems and mm. um, if they just feel like like they're not alone in the feeling um whereas sometimes if if i um like earlier on in my in my training when we used to do skills practice and i would kind of i would give give more advice um i found that the my client would often would kind of you know when we finished our session they would feel like I'd not really heard how they're feeling. I'd not kind of sensed how difficult or, or how how heavy the feeling is. Mm. But I've kind of just focused on um, on finding, yeah, just finding a way to solve it for them. Um, which which in some ways I kind of feel can be a bit disempowering. Mm. Whereas if I just trust that they will find the solution, mm. then they will they will get there in the end. They just need someone to to feel how shit things might feel like at this particular moment. Yeah. Um, so, can I say shit? Sorry, uh, you already said it now, mate. <laughs> yeah, twice. <laughs> uh, well, you said it twice, actually. <laughs> just, well, just part of me being genuine, genuine isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I feel like I may be wrong, but I feel like there is still very much um, types of therapy out there or types of counseling out there that is is more uh, teacher-student ap- approach or there's more, I don't know if it's psychiatry or um, I know there's a lot of different names for it. Um, there's a lot of jargon, yeah. Yeah. Um, is is that Does that still exist or is the, um, not industry, what is the... Uh, the field. The field, fantastic. Yes, the field. Um <laughs> <laughs> industry that was more back to your uh, uh business studies days uh, yeah. <laughs> the industry of counseling um yeah so uh is there is the field in general finding out that it's it's better a, a more effective approach to uh give people the space or is there still um a subfield or or you know a type of counseling or therapy um that is or needs to be more direct with people or needs to be more yeah. of a telling them not telling them what to do but you know what i mean is does that still exist or or how's that yeah i mean um it definitely does i mean yeah i mean there are so many kind of variations and i think like you know like your um your kind of confusion as to all these different terms i think that's um i mean i'm i'm not surprised to hear that that you're almost you're not sure what's out there because 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 there is so much out there and and I guess different people, because of the diversity that exists within people, some people at different times of their life might feel like a more directive approach is where they kind of want more of an expert approach right. to really dig into their unconscious um, child, childhood behaviors, where some people might actually just want someone to, you know, might want to work with a the therapist on an equal level mm. um, the playing field, you know, um, where they don't feel like the, the therapist is there expert mm-hmm. so um and and actually um there are uh, there are even many kind of um integrative approaches in counseling as well where you know where people aren't just so purist and just sticking to one but they're 
they're taking things from you know from from different fields um, of, of counseling and and kind of blending them together to to suit to almost um to reflect how that particular counselor or how that therapist might want to um work with their clients mm. um for example like a person centered counseling ed, some of the main condi- the main conditions of it is offering that 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 empathy and an uh, and unconditional acceptance of the person mm. and since that that since that's kind of come into existence um, many other fields have kind of integrated that 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 kind of essential condition of no matter what practice no matter how they're working with the clients they're they're not judging them and they're they're completely accepting them and they're they're really trying to step into their into the into the shoes of the client mm. in, in an empathic way even even while they may be doing a more directive or a more psychodynamic approach or whatever mm. um they're still kind of bringing in they're still bringing in elements of person-centered counseling mm. um into their practice and, and vice versa as well so i guess um, it's like the art of counseling it's, it's, it's a there's an art to it you know it's when you when you bring in these uh, more direct approach or or um when you you step back and let them have the space um does that sound sort of like what it what it can be like is that you you sort of change yeah and... i mean i mean to be fair i mean i mean that there are people who might be practicing um even if they're practicing like a more dire- a more directive approach of um of being of being the, of being more of an expert they um some, somebody can still be very good at what they do and can still really help a help a client and mm. and 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 there might be clients who might need that approach at a particular time in their life. Sure. So yeah. there's no, there's no, there's no right approach uh, at all. Um, mm, no. I guess, um, I guess with the different counselors that I've either I've worked with or I've, or, or tutors or, or other people that I've um, met in this field, um, I find that the, I find that, I mean, it's hard to put it into categories of like best or worst or good or bad, but, I find that the most effective counselors are ones that where I really feel like they're they're really they're they're really genuine and they're really authentic and um and almost like their genuineness mm. almost conveys the message that it's it's okay for me to be genuine because I'm not going to be judged mm. uh, and and I think that that it's, it's it's not even really a skill but I think like that kind of attitude can can exist in any kind of form of counseling mm. um i think it's just about i think i think it boils down to just someone really being their self their unapologetic self and you and that you feel that you can be yourself as well mm. Mm. yeah no it's it's interesting because uh i find this this whole it's, it's almost like uh well we grow up in a in a society i guess where it is more a lot of the the situations we grow up in is is very much different to that isn't it in terms of the person that's taking care of us you know um you can have the nicest parents in the world but generally they're the ones especially in an early age they need to tell you what to do they need to control that and then you go to school where the you know you have a, a literal teacher who's telling you uh, not just the subjects, but how to behave. Uh, I'm not criticizing these things. They're, they're there for a reason, but um, you're sort of brought up in this way. And then obviously you, you go into a job and the job, you have a boss who who tells you what to do and that they've been in it for years and they're, they're the expert and, and you have to learn. So I guess 
maybe it's um, a difficult mindset to I'm just sort of reflecting on myself maybe it, it, it doesn't come that naturally to get out of the whole teacher student mindset um, yeah. and try to actually because yeah I completely agree whenever I've actually step back and, and just let someone um, really say well, I mean that's one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast as well um, was because I want to sort of teach myself to 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 listen more and, and step back and uh and use that in my my personal life but i feel yeah it's just a sort of thought that maybe maybe it can be quite difficult to step into that mindset for the counselor um mm. to let let the person uh figure it out for themselves and and yeah um there was a in the youth work that i've done um we were given quite a lot of training um and continued training throughout the job but one of the things I, that stuck out stuck out for me was um uh, creating a nurturing environment for for, okay. for for the young people um as yeah. opposed to trying to impose too much in this sort of thing of trying to um be too imposing with what they need to do uh and and how they need to behave in a general sense like you know um uh, being kind and uh you know all, all the other positive traits um uh also it's just creating uh uh a nurturing environment uh a, a mm-hmm. environment of kindness an environment of uh proactivity an environment of uh, uh of anything else any other quality that um you want to see fostered in in the people you're dealing with um yeah so yeah it sounds like like almost like if you if you provide the like yeah, like if you provide that environment, if you provide that space for people to, where where they have the space to kind of, almost to 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 make their own choices and to to make the and to make their decisions and to and to to kind of realize their potential that that they will take it. Mm. Um, and it's uh, and I guess it's it's an approach that I think I think as a, I think growing up as kids and I think there is you know to a certain extent we kind of need. You know, because there's a lot that we don't know as kids, and, and mm. we do need our parents' guidance and the guidance of teachers. Mm. But I think sometimes that's taken, um, that might be taken a bit too far, where mm. where almost they don't trust that kids can can learn to kind of find out, find out, you know, find out answers for themselves and to and to find out solutions for themselves. I think yeah. it kind of creates a bit of a of a dependence on of an on an authority figure to 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 find out you know that solution and i guess where we place the credit as well you know if a kid turns out really well uh from parenting or school or in a job um maybe the inclination for some people or a lot of people i don't know is to see well they had a a strict regime with the parents they were very uh they told them exactly what they needed to hear that the teachers were the same that the job was the same but maybe we forget to look at the times when the the child is working by themselves in school, you know, where or when they're in the playground and they're yeah they're they're trying stuff out for themselves, and and that time, well, uh, naturally, is going to be more of the time than when a, uh, yeah. an adult is telling them what to do or telling them. And and I completely agree, um, the structure and the. Um, the teaching on every stage of your life is essential. Um, um, but yeah, um, maybe 
some some people I know that I'm included because you know I struggle with it but um placing the focus and some of the credit or, or a lot more of the credit on well look at look at when you know whether it's a kid or an adult look at how much they just figure out for themselves yeah um and that that time is is just as if not more precious than than the uh the teacher student type time yeah i mean um i i think it's all um i think it comes down to like a big part of 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 the person centered approach is is the subjective uh, phenomenological kind of viewpoint where each person's subjective viewpoint is, is is just as valid so i think if if there isn't enough of if that person's own subjective view isn't validated as much even as a kid it's almost like it's like that person's individuality is maybe taken taken away a bit from them mm. whereas whereas if if it's kind of fostered where where kind of even as a kid where they can still they can still receive that guidance but in a way that doesn't overshadow their their individual mm. ability and capability to um to reach their potential then i think that's where certain maybe certain problems might arise where for example maybe an authority figure is, uh, instills for example like a like a an affair for example that maybe they had from their childhood and they just passed it on to a kid rather than rather than allowing the kid to learn for themselves what they should be or shouldn't be afraid of mm. um I, I know one example I think of is um, as a kid, for example, I was um, I was taught that dogs are scary and that I should be afraid of dogs without actually learning for myself. And I kind of grew up with a bit of an unhealthy, um, I guess, an, uh, an unhealthy fear of dogs. And and as I kind of grew older, I kind of realized that I never really learned for myself what it was like to interact with dogs. I never really interacted with them as kids because I was told to, as a kid, because I was told to stay away from them. So I think that kind of it's a, it's a basic example, but you shouldn't watch of, uh, the first Harry Potter film as a three-headed dog in that one. Yeah. <laughs> or Cujo. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, but, um, yeah. I was told, I was told to stay away from those movies as well, as well as real dogs. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, uh, that just kind of gives an example. Gives an example that. Uh, yeah, that I, I wasn't really, I didn't really have a chance to explore for myself, and I didn't have a chance to, chance to develop my own subjective view on dogs because I was, it was passed on from, from from parents and grandparents and family who, who maybe had had fears that were had been passed on to them mm. from their parents, you know. So, mm. um, I think that just kind of goes to show that it's that person's own subjective viewpoint really has a lot of vali- uh, a lot of validity mm. yeah yep. maybe your parents and grandparents watch Cujo and they're like right yeah <laughs> no more dogs we'll, we'll have we'll have we'll have, a, we'll have a family viewing night during lockdown <laughs> <laughs> like a a horror uh, yeah a horror movie night <laughs> right so unfortunately I think we're going to have to uh, bring the show to an end um there's so much that you know we could carry on with and there's there's so many more questions i have but um yeah i don't know if you'd be happy to come on for another show another episode one time yeah i think it would be thanks for thanks for having me i'm uh, i'm honored no it's been it's been amazing we actually went in a, a quite a few directions that i didn't didn't expect um yeah with the conversation which was was all very enlightening um 
but uh but yeah so thank you so much for for coming on no thank you very much dan um, i appreciate it appreciate your time yeah um no it's it's been great and uh i just want to say to anyone listening uh please feel free to continue this conversation um by you can comment uh, with any thoughts you have or you can contact me um if you want to come on the show yourself um you know have a think about the stuff we've been talking about um we've been talking about counseling and giving people space and not imposing too much we've been talking about um coming from different cultures or feeling an affiliation with different cultures and or bridging a divide um even if it's not a uh, a country or religious divide um just sort of seeing both sides uh and also languages as well and uh knowing different languages so there's there's lots we've covered and uh yeah please please have a think for yourselves i guess Uh, yeah we just just ended this conversation about thinking for yourselves and letting someone think for themselves but yeah i'd be really interested to hear any listeners um their thoughts on what we've talked about um but yeah um thanks again omar it's been brilliant thank you very much cheers appreciate it have a good week you too there's something else i'd like to say to any listeners all three of you This podcast is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing experiment. I'm trying things out and seeing what works and what doesn't. And so any feedback on this or other episodes will be really appreciated. I don't want this podcast to just be for my own enjoyment. The goal is for it to benefit people in some way. And constructive feedback is the best way to know if this goal is being achieved. If I don't know something's rubbish, then I'll just keep producing rubbish. If I don't know something's good, then I'll just stop producing anything good. And also, if you think of anyone that you know that would be a good guest for me to chat to, then please let me know. I would love the opportunity to speak to a wide range of people about an even wider range of subjects. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope you continue the conversation. Bye for now.